Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Central London service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Morning, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that video. Uh, brought back memories for those of us that have been around. The most striking thing about it, though, was that everyone, with one exception, looked older. But I think I looked exactly the same as 15 years ago. So I am a firm believer in the God of miracles. So we're looking forward to uh, Love London. Uh, do join us. And uh, we're actually, we'll have the doors open from 10 o'clock. We'll also have lots of stuff happening in the foyer uh, downstairs as well. So uh, come as early as you can, stay as long as you can. We're going to have a really, really memorable uh, day. Uh, as Joe and Barry have said, this week is is more sort of family talk, is, is sort of, you know, can we think together about what God is saying to us at the moment, this central service? So if you've come looking for the perfect, artistically correct, technically perfect three-point sermon this morning, I can tell you now, you will be disappointed. <laughs> what I want to do, though, is I want to try and share my heart with you. And therefore, I'm sort of asking if you'll bear with me. So I want to share what I think God's put on my heart, and we'll sort of see how it comes out. But I trust that it will be really helpful for us. And I want to do three things to start with. I want to do a bit about me, I want to do a bit about us, and I want to do a bit about the Bible. All right? So that's where, that's where we're starting, and then we'll sort of regather once we've done that and see where we go from there. Uh, a bit about me... Uh, I was raised in a provincial town in the UK and spent most of my teenage life unhappy. Uh, I was actually bored, although I didn't know that at the time. Uh, it was just too slow for the way that I was wired. And having spent most of my teens in that sort of context, two things happened which entirely changed things for me. The first was an experience of the Holy Spirit, and we'll come back to experiences of the Holy Spirit in a little while. And the second was the discovery of cities around the world. And it was actually that combination of things that started to give me a sense of my own purpose. The experience of the Holy Spirit actually started to draw me towards the city. I came firstly to London just for a month to a church in South London at the time. It was one of the most exciting experiences I'd ever had. Here was a church, actually, that was, although I didn't know it at the time, in the next 12 months, going to double in size. It was going to finish with about 40 different congregations, a not dissimilar model to the sort of thing that we're doing here at Christchurch London. We've got half a dozen. They had 40 right across South London, and they worked up right and started one in right up to Soho then. I think they got a few into North London as well. But it was incredibly exciting. And for me as someone who just had my life changed, this sense of opportunity in the city, opportunity to glorify Jesus was a very exciting one. And I'm not sure I pieced it all together at that point, but one of the reasons that Philip and I are here in the center of the city, and one of the reasons that there's nowhere else I'm interested in worshiping, Sunday by Sunday, but in the heart of the city, is because of the opportunity to glorify Jesus here. And there are lots of challenges, and we'll get to those, but there's an extraordinary opportunity to not just touch individuals' lives, 
but actually to touch the whole world as well. And we may get to come back to that. My first experience was in London. My second experience was actually in Hong Kong, where Philip and I met, and we were working with ex-triad gangsters, heroin addicts, and it was uh, an extraordinary, extraordinary opportunity to experience something of the world's need, some of the world's greatest need, in some of the darkest places that this world actually uh, had created. And so if, the f if my first experience was this wonderful opportunity in the city, the second was there is extraordinary need in the city. Now, I realize there's need everywhere because humanity is everywhere and anywhere the human heart is, there's people that need God and need each other. But there was something about the intensity and the darkness of this place, this place where we were, and many parts of this city, which are dark and where injustice rules and where you feel evil has a particular presence. And in, out of that experience also, it took me to the heart of the city because I'm like, if Jesus should be anywhere, he should be where it's darkest. If he's really as light and bright and glorious as I found him to be, then he needs to be right there in the heart of poverty and need and injustice and darkness. The third experience for me having been in London and Hong Kong, was to be in the States, in Chicago, and then in New York, and find some of the challenge of the city. I remember being with two friends who'd just come to faith, an extraordinary story, which, I've not, which one day I'll tell you about. They'd just come to faith, and they introduced me to all their friends in Central Park in New York. And their friends were all actors and singers and artists and scriptwriters. And for me, at 24 at the time, this is like the weirdest group of people I've ever met in my life. And they are, they've all just, as a group, been down to South America, into the jungle, and taken hallucinogenic drugs in an attempt to find God. They came back and said he wasn't there. So, you know, if that's on, <laughs> if that's on your world itinerary, you can take a pass with that one. Incidentally, he is here this morning, but we'll get to that too. So they came back, but, you know, I remember one of the... Uh, one of the couples were pregnant. They were expecting their first child, so they were all talking about spirit guides and, you know, getting presents sort of connected with spirit guides for the child. And I'm like, I don't know about the spirit guide thing, but I know about Jesus, and I don't think spirit guides actually helps too much. And I'm like, how on earth do you get to share everything that has happened to me with people who have got such a different worldview? And most of you are thinking, welcome to my life. And that is the challenge of the city. There's incredible opportunity in the city because people are seeking him here. There's more 20-somethings go to church in London than in the rest of the UK put together. The only place where the church is growing in the UK is north of the river in London. There's opportunity, but there's darkness and there's challenge. And it was that combination, along with the leading of God, that brought Philip and I to the city. Strong sense of call, some other things, but that was, that was what brought us to the city. Now, I know that that's, not, that that's not just us, but that's many of us. Many of us are here for exactly those reasons. We've had a sense of being brought here. 
whether at the time it was for a job or for a relationship, but we feel like, no, God has brought us here. And we're here in this place of challenge, we're a place of darkness, and we're in this place of opportunity. That is a bit about me. What about us? Well, as a result of some of those things that I've said, we have sought to build Christ Church London, and we've seen God's blessing, we've seen the church grow, and now, as Joe said, we're seeing the church in six different locations across the city. And we're trusting God that in his favor, over time, he will give us many more. But this has been the hub of the whole thing. You and I, or many of us, at the Mermaid Theater. Now, that has been great, but when you give away, it costs something as well. And it's cost a lot for us, and we've said this before here. But it's felt a bit drafty at times in this big auditorium. Now, when we have Love London and when we're all here, we'll have trouble finding a seat. But when it's just us, there's some space here. And we felt, if you like, that's a picture to me of the challenge and for some of us, the pain of giving away and our friends often being many of those that have gone. And I mentioned once, maybe a month or so ago, we had a visitor here. She sat at the back. I say she's a visitor. She's actually been in the church for about 12 years, but now worships in the east in Bethnal Green. Just happened to be here on a Sunday morning. And she wrote to me afterwards. She said, David, she said, I felt like God spoke to me whilst you were preaching. And I felt like he gave me a word for this service. And he said, she said, I think he's saying you need to build together. She said, uh, she said, spiritually, if you like, or relationally, but also physically. She said that the Lord will give you more as you come together as a family. And she said, not only relationally, but also she said, just, I think you'd do better sitting closer together. Or to put it the other way, she said, I think the fact that there's a lot of gaps is a picture of the lack at the moment. Ooh. Bit about me. Bit about us. Bit about the Bible, and then we'll come back and talk some more about us. When Hannah said that to me, I was reminded of one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Barry read a bit earlier. Persian Empire. Nehemiah has arrived in Jerusalem. Just stay with me here, because this goes straight to where we're at. Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem, and God's actually put in his heart, rebuild Jerusalem. He doesn't tell anyone. It's like what's in many of our hearts. Build a church for the city. And the bit that we read is Nehemiah at night, when no one else sees, going around and having a look. It would, it would be like me, having a look this morning and going like, no, no one here. We've got a gap between Sam and Cole, although Cole was over there, so you knew what I was going to say this morning, clearly. <laughs> and there's two gaps. Well, that was my chair, but there's a gap there. And, and Nehemiah went round, and what he saw was the walls broken down and the gates hanging off their hinges. Now, no one lives in a city like that because it's just not safe. If the Persians show up again, they just roll in and they take you in your beds. And, and this picture is taken into the New Testament. And it says that you and I 
are living stones. You're living stones. You and I, we're living stones. And we're being built. And the, the New Testament changes the metaphor quite regularly. Sometimes we're a home. Sometimes we're a temple. And sometimes we're a city. Just go with it. You understand the metaphor. That we are living stones. And the goal is that we are built together. Now, if we're not built together, then it's like a city with all the walls down. The Persians can turn up any time they want. Or whoever is against the church. And we'll come back to that. But whoever's against the church walks in, helps themselves. The idea is that we're built together like spiritual stones so that God comes and dwells amongst us. So there's two important things here. One is you and I need to learn to be built together. And then secondly, as we are, it makes what the Bible terms a habitation fit for God. God is not out there looking at buildings, deciding where to turn up. He doesn't look at St. Paul's Cathedral just up and, and thinks, I love the architecture in this place. I am going to dwell there. And he doesn't come in here and think, cool. This isn't very attractive. He, 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 I'm not making any... I love St. Paul's. I actually love this place too. But he, it, what I'm saying is that's just not on his radar. You know what he does? He comes and he looks at the people. And he says, are they built together? Are they a family? Are they a household? Are they a temple? Are they a city? Because if so, I can dwell in them by the Holy Spirit. Let me just read you where one of the, and there's a number of them, but one of the places where Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, in him, that's in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. Now, this idea that we're living stones to be built together is entirely different entirely changes our view of what it means to come to church because the idea is not that church is some spiritual service center you know I go to McDonald's for my or supermarket or wherever I go somewhere for my food I go to the theater or the club or wherever for my entertainment and I go to church for my spiritual life no the idea is not that you go somewhere get something and go away again the idea is that you are something and that you come to be built together, which is entirely counterintuitive to anything else that happens in central London. Is there anything else in central London, apart from possibly work, which is different, I would argue, where you come to be part of it rather than come to get something and go away again? If you go to a restaurant, you don't turn up at the restaurant and say, hi, I'm here to be built into this restaurant. You like what's on the menu. And maybe I'll come back sometime. You don't expect to get the people to know the people at the next door table. And you'll probably, if you're a decent Brit, be quite cold to them if they try and talk to you. <laughs> you don't go dancing. You don't go out and expect to get to know everyone in the club. You go with your friends and leave. Same with the theatre. Same when you're shopping. Whatever it is, you come, get what you need and go. And Paul is like, but 
never, ever see the church that way. He said, the church is not somewhere you go get something and then go off again. The church is somewhere where you turn up and you say, hi, I'm a living stone. Where do I fit? How can I, how can I be joined? It's, it's so different. So, as promised, a bit about me, a bit about us, and a bit about the Bible. Now, where does, where does all this go? In essence, or to sum up, what I believe the Spirit is saying to us right now, it's two things. Be built together, receive the Spirit. Be built together, receive the Spirit. Become a household temple or city and then get filled with the Spirit so that everyone else gets blessed as a result. Because this is the idea. From Abraham, Genesis 12, right the way on, God's people get blessed so we can be a blessing to individuals, communities, and nations. Now, we'll get to that in due course, but for today, built together, receive the Spirit. Those are the two things that I believe God is saying to us. Now, if that's the case, then the story of Nehemiah tells us this is a challenge. If you, don't know where to, if you don't know where to read in the Bible, can I suggest, why don't you read Nehemiah this week? It's about 11 or 12 chapters. I just you know, read it through in a couple of sittings, on the tube or, or, or something like that. But get a feel for the story. But it's all challenge. He has one battle after another battle after another. And Jesus, taking this in the New Testament and applying it to the church, says, don't be surprised if it's a bit of a challenge. I tell you, Jesus says, looking Peter in the eye, I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, being built together and receiving the Spirit can be and should, will be a battle. Now, just to tell you what you've heard before, if you've been in church any length of time at all, the Christian life is not like a battle. It is a battle. And you are likely doing absolutely nothing wrong at all if you are experiencing a battle right now. You don't get in a battle when you've done something wrong. You get in a battle if you're following Jesus. So please, if life is a struggle right now and you know it's a battle, be encouraged that this is part of how the Christian life is. It is a battle. But it is a particular battle with, as Jesus says there, the building of the church. Let me suggest three ways in which we might be experiencing battle when it comes to not only our own individual lives, but, quite, but building a temple here in the center of the city. Number one, sometimes, and it's hard to pin down exactly what, but sometimes it just feels difficult. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, uh, on Monday morning, I got up um, and uh, Philippa said, how are you doing? I said, rubbish. Not her, me. <laughs> I said, rubbish. I said, I feel awful. I said, I went to bed feeling awful. I didn't sleep very well. And I've been trying to work out what it is because normally there's something. And if I'm honest enough with myself, I can identify it. And I said, I said to her, I said, I think the only way I can deal with this one is like it's a spiritual battle. And we talked for a couple of minutes. She encouraged me to do the same. 
Now, once I'd done that and I'd prayed, I was fine because I'd worked out what was going on. But sometimes the battle is nothing more distinguishable than just ugh, to use a technical term. <laughs> Other times it is discouragement. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling discouraged about the relationships I'm trying to build at church. No one talked to me after the service last week. Well, they did, but they would... (laughs) (laughs) Fill in the blanks, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Or there's no one quite like me there. (laughs) Rejoice! (laughs) Or whatever it is, it's it's just discouraging. Or... I turned up to be part of the prayer team, but only one other person or two other people. I mean, and you think, don't people care about prayer? Then next week you're sick and you don't turn up for understandable reasons. You understand what I'm trying to say? Discouragement is part of the battle. Now, a soldier is trained. So a soldier just gets up in the morning. I was, I was thinking, uh, I used to have a very good, or I ha- still have a very good friend who's a soldier. The first time he walked into church, I knew he was an army boy. Just the way he walked in. <laughs> Something about the way he came. But, you know, it exuded a certain sense of self-discipline and strength. And if you get up with the, for a battle in the morning, you're not listening to your emotions. Do I feel discouraged this morning? It means you'll die in your bed. You get up and you go. And I trust that God will put strength in us this morning. That we're not to be discouraged. How else does the battle happen sometimes? Sometimes it happens through relational conflict. We fall out with one another. Now sometimes that's in other areas of our life. Sometimes it's in the church. Sometimes it's not that someone's offended us. They've just not been interested in us. And of course, our deepest need, every one of us here, is to be loved. The thing I need more than anything else is to know that people love me. And that God loves me. And that is universal. And so we're all inclined to feel unnoticed, rejected, let down. But when we are, and when we're feeling that way, it saps our strength. It saps our spiritual strength. And Jesus had a recipe for it, and he said this, if someone has hurt you, go and talk to them. Don't leave, talk. Don't avoid, talk. And if, if you need to, otherwise love covers a multitude of sins. I remember as a teenager a couple of times going to a guy and saying, I'm really sorry, I've held this against you. He had no idea at all. I'm not sure it was a blessing to him to hear that. I think, to be honest, it would have been better just to have said, I love you. Love covers a multitude of sins. Move on. But watch out for the battle, brothers and sisters. How should we respond to the battle? The relational battle, the discouragement battle, the sometimes not being able to put our finger on the battle? Well, Paul, in his famous passage on spiritual battle and spiritual warfare, his biggest point, there's a number, but his biggest point is this, keep going. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, finally, be strong. Now, being strong is not like, oh, do I feel strong today? No, it starts with, 
a decision. Be strong. And then he goes on in verse 13. When the day of evil comes, after you've done everything, stand. After you've done everything, don't fall down. Don't keel over. Don't back out. Stand. Then in verse 14, as if he's trying to hammer this home, stand firm then. Now, you know, it, it makes an amazing difference when in the middle of the battle you're standing next to people who are like, whatever I do, I am not moving. I am standing firm. Those are the people I like standing next to in the battle. I draw strength from that. So Paul says, stand firm. Winston Churchill, parroting this in a way, was asked to speak at a prize day one day one of the sort of old-fashioned boys' private schools, and he stood up. He looked at them and he said, I won't try and do his accent. You'll just laugh at me. He said, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. And then he sat down again. Shortest, most memorable prize-giving speech ever given in that school. Never give up. Do not give up. Stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty power. Bear in mind too, as we learn to be built together, relationships are just a bit difficult to form. And the most successful skill in building relationships is turning up. The most successful skill is turning up then turning up again, then turning up again, and things start to develop and start to gel as a result. Of course, there's a great irony that in this city, we all long for community, and yet the speed and pace of the city tells against it. And sometimes we have to make conscious decisions to step off that wheel of speed to slow ourselves down, say, no, I'm not, in order that we have time. One, one other thing, then some practical things about building together. Can I just remind you, as I speak to myself as well, remember your weakness is your greatest asset in building community. Your weakness is your greatest asset in building community. People can be impressed by strength, but it's difficult to build relationship there. But everyone identifies with our vulnerabilities. And everyone's question in this city is this. I know my vulnerabilities. Is there any hope in overcoming them? So where there are stories of vulnerability with hope, vulnerability with God's power mixed in, that is an amazing opportunity for building community. Why don't you this morning say hi to someone you've never spoken to, but you've seen on numbers of occasions? You've been coming for a while, you'll recognize individuals, you think, I don't know who they are. You never know what will happen as a result. One of uh, my closest friends, thinking way back to university, I'd seen him actually in some Christian meetings, and I just thought, I like the look of that guy, I think we'd be good friends. 
And it was the beginning of the second term. He was walking down the road. I was there, and he was just like, hello. And I stopped him. I introduced myself. We got talking. We became fast friends. I actually was thinking, just as I was playing this, I wonder whether I would have ever got to know Robin if I hadn't stopped him and said hi. If you recognize someone, you've never spoken to them, why don't you say hi this morning? Why don't you make a habit of meeting with someone either before church or after church every Sunday? Go for coffee. Go for breakfast. Go for lunch. Go for a walk. It is my habit to max out Sunday, see as many people as possible. So I know for some of them, I'm like, I'm in West London. They could be in you know, East London somewhere. We could be an hour and a half away. But we're right here together. Let's make the most of it. And why don't you make a move to think about joining a connect group or joining a serving team? Not just to help, not to help the church, but because it helps us connect. Some other opportunities very quickly. Lunch on a Sunday. Most Sundays we head out for lunch. Come join us. In several weeks' time, we will be doing our next Building the Central Service, October the 27th seminar. At one, we'll be starting teaching at 1.30. We're having lunch at 1 o'clock. Free lunch. Come and join us. Put it in your diary now. Get your phone out, whatever. 27th, 1 o'clock, upstairs, lunch, 1.30. We want to share our hearts and we want to build this service together. We're excited about the destiny that God has given us. 31st of October, the following Thursday, we're going to meet to pray and worship. If you work in the city, you are without excuse. Run, hide from your boss, do whatever is necessary to get out of the office by 7.25. Just tell him, I'm sorry, I've got an important event. Make your plans. If you're going to be on the other side of the city, finish work early. Do whatever you need to do. Join us to pray and to seek the Spirit. So as we are built together, it becomes a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How can we know more of the Holy Spirit amongst us? So much I could say on this, but first thing is this, uh, give yourself to worship on a Sunday. Listen, we are blessed with the people we have leading us in worship. Polly and Lydia and Ben, thank you so much this morning. It was water to my soul. You will not get this in every church. You won't. And it's a blessing. And we, you can stand there half engaging, not engaging, or you can learn. I'm here. I want to engage. I, my head's full of the week, but I want to find a way to God. Those that seek him, find him. That, of course, is reflected by the lordship of Christ in the week, the other six days. It doesn't mean we do everything right. It does mean that we're honest and open where we're struggling. And the irony is that as we come to worship, it's all about you. He pours his spirit on us, and we find it's also about us. But not because we're bothered about that, but because we're bothered about him. So as we worship and the Holy Spirit works, I want to encourage us from the bottom of my heart, allow the Holy Spirit to work amongst us. Allow the Holy Spirit in. Allow him into your heart. What happens when the Holy Spirit gets poured out? 
Well, the first thing that often happens is that he heals, he heals us. And as I was thinking about today, I couldn't get away from the sense that there's a sense of loss and disappointment amongst numbers of people here. There's a sense of loss and there's a sense of disappointment. Maybe connected with the church, I don't know. Or it might be connected with other things in your life. But we all gain things in life, but we all lose things in life. And when, I, when I'm disappointed and when I've suffered loss, I need to come to God. As the proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You are not in a good place if your heart is sick. Whatever you tell me, however well you're doing at work, however much money you're earning, you are not in a good place if your heart is sick. You need to let the Holy Spirit be at work. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to finish in a minute, so we've got time to pray. But can I encourage you? Allow God to minister to our hearts. And he often starts by healing us. Helping us with our sense of loss and disappointment. The other thing that he does then is he starts to give us freedom to dream again. To dream again. Society is very cynical at the moment. And one of the areas in which it's very cynical is about dreamers or optimists. Anyone who says, I can believe there'll be a better future ahead. Now, I'm not getting political at this point. But the church needs dreamers now more than ever. They need people who say, I think this might be what God will do. The story of the scriptures is that at the point of the darkest is always just a moment before the light dawns. The story of the scriptures is whenever God's people are at their lowest, is just a moment before God starts to work again. But I'm not talking about man-manufactured dreams. I'm not talking about self-help. I'm not talking about who can come to the stage and be the boldest and the most inspirational. I'm like, what's the Holy Spirit whispering? That's what I'm interested in. Because we're stones, we're built together, the Spirit fills us, and then he builds us more. And you get, you're like, there's an extension there. You think, oh, I wasn't expecting that. How's that happened? Well, because God put the Spirit in someone's heart and prompted them that way. And then there's another bit. Oh, you think, how did this happen? Well, it's because the Spirit has spoken. And so the building is built. So I want to encourage you, friends, brothers and sisters, if I may, fellow stones, I want to encourage you with all my heart. I want to invite you to be built together. Learn how to do that together. And I want to encourage you to receive the Spirit. And as we receive the Spirit, allow Him to heal our loss and disappointment and give us freedom to dream again. Band, I wonder if the band could come back, please. I'm sorry, I should have asked you a few minutes ago. Let's stand. Let's stand. What I'm going to, we, we've, uh, we've got a few minutes now where we can pray together and invite the Holy Spirit to work amongst us. So what I'm going to ask us to do in a moment is to physically come together. I realize that for some of you in your hearts now, you're like, oh, no. 
I do, you're free to you know, stay where you are if you want to. But I, I think that what Hannah shared with me when she came to visit the other day was from the Lord. And I think that actually the physical movement helps what's happening in our hearts too. And I want to encourage you. Just, I, I want to encourage us to get within reaching distance of each other. And just put a hand on each other's shoulders. And then I want to pray. And I want to start by praying that the Holy Spirit would build us into a household, a temple, a city together. Would that be okay? Can I invite you just to draw close together? If only Hannah was here, she would see her word happening before her very eyes. Fantastic. Shall we pray? Let me pray. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to be at work. Holy Spirit, be poured out amongst us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, for your work. And we want to open our hearts to your work that you would make us living stones built together. Father, you know our weaknesses. You know our vulnerabilities. You know where we often don't get it right. But we know you love us too. And we know that you came for people like us. And so we invite you now, Spirit of God, blow amongst us. Blow amongst us. Lord, you know, for those of us that are eager, that we know we need friends, and it's just been difficult, I want to pray for your grace. For those that have come here with relational disappointment from the past, I pray you would draw those fiery darts out of people's hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That you would build us together. I want to pray, Father, that you would make us a family of hope that deeply loves one another and then is full of anticipation. But pour your spirit out and join us together. Deal with disappointment. Where there's relational conflict in this room, maybe conflict that only two of us know about, I pray you'd bring healing this morning. I pray that here you would command your blessing.